Our text this evening for our sermon is from also from the Gospel of John, just a couple pages over from the last reading, um, and uh, it's John 15, verses 1 to 8. John 15, 1 to 8. Um, I didn't think to look to see what page it is in the Pew Bible, but... Um, but if you uh, will turn there with me, if you have a Bible or if you want to follow along, then we can read God's Word together. Before we read from His Word, would you pray with me for the reading and teaching of God's Word tonight? Let's pray together. Our gracious Father, we do thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You've gathered us here tonight in the midst of a week, uh, in so many ways an ordinary week for most of us, a week with work and with play, with toil and with rest. A week with delights and with struggles. And each of us comes tonight from a different place with different experiences, but we come with the same thing in common. And that is that we're all a mess. That we're all in need of you more than we even know. And we need your word, even if we don't realize that we do. So we pray that you would give us awareness of that that you would open our heart to believe that what we hear read and taught right now is not merely the words of men or the um, text of an ancient and irrelevant book, but that it is the very Word of God speaking to us now. And we ask, speak, Lord, that we might hear. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. John chapter 15, the first eight verses. This is God's Word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is God's Word, and it's given to us in love. Well, here we find them. They have, uh, in in our history of Christ, uh, on on this night that we recognize Every year, those of us in, in the church that, uh, that celebrate together a holy week, um, they have, in history, left the upper room. Uh, they have together celebrated the first communion. Uh, he had washed their feet, as we heard read about earlier. Uh, he had told them that one of them would betray him, uh, and he had given them uh, that teaching, uh, that new command, that is, after all, why we call this Monday Thursday, many of you know, uh, because of the Latin word mandatum, which, which is where we get our word mandate. 
he says, I give a new command to you, a new mandate I give to you. Uh, and so we recognize every year on Monday, Thursday, that new command that we love one another uh, as he has loved us. And what is that new command for us? Over and over again, he repeats it through these chapters. If you, if you are familiar with this part of the Gospel of John, uh, then you know, and if you have, some, some Bible translations have the red letters, right? The, uh, the words of Jesus marked out in a different styled text. And this section, uh, John 13 and 14 and 15, they're just chock full of red letters. There's almost no non-red letters in this section because of this last teaching, what we call the farewell discourse, his last teaching to them over and over again in this section. And he teaches them a new command to love one another. He says that is what will distinguish us as his disciples. But what we all wrestle with, isn't it, is how do we do that? How do we love one another? How are we so distinguished as his disciples through this peculiar kind of love? It's not a natural thing, is it? It's not an easy thing. It's not something we can catch on too quickly. If you're like me, then you're aware too often of how hard it is to love others. Um, how do we love one another? Jesus tells them through this whole section, starting in chapter 13, going to the end of chapter 16. So what we just read is right smack in the middle of it. Uh, and in this passage, then he's teaching them about that love for one another that comes out of a particular state, a particular kind of uh, identity that we have. Jesus teaches his disciples that to love one another can only come from abiding in Him. And so He teaches them to abide in Him. And we see that in two simple ways out of this passage. He teaches about the unfruitful branches and the fruitful branches. So those will be our two points tonight. Um, and uh, and they, I, I think they'll be fairly brief. Um, so uh, the, the unfruitful branches and the fruitful branches... First, we see this vine metaphor. It's an interesting one to us. It may not be one that is as familiar, especially to maybe Tucsonans who, uh, for whom vineyards are not a common thing. I, I have noticed, uh, maybe you have too, if, you're, if you ride down McGee, kind of toward, uh, toward the YMCA, then if you look to the right, there's a house whose backyard is almost entirely a vineyard. It's striking, isn't it? Because of how... Uh, how out of place it seems to have a vineyard right here in the desert. I, I understand that this kind of desert, sandy soil is very good for vineyards, but most of us are not familiar with vines. Um, but they would have been familiar both in terms of their commonplace, mundane quality for Jesus and the disciples and everyone in uh, that part of the Middle East. And it would have been familiar to them too as a spiritual metaphor, as we, um, as we find in Psalm 80. This wasn't part of our readings tonight, but you'll see the, see the, uh, the uh, reference printed there in the order of worship on page 4. Psalm 80, in the middle part, then the psalmist says this, You brought a vine out of Egypt. So this metaphor for the people that are bound up to God is a long one for them. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out boughs to the sea. It shoots as far as the river. 
Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and the creatures of the field feed on it. Return to us, O God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Can you hear the same imagery that Jesus is borrowing on in there? Who would be the sun that he had raised up for himself, by whom he would be watching over this planted people, this people of Israel? It would be, of course, Jesus. And that's why he would say, I am the vine and you are the branches. It's such a natural metaphor for an Israelite, for a first century Jew. So it would have been familiar to them and they would have been, they would have recognized that the, those, the, those branches that bear no fruit have no place in such a, among such a people. They will be cut off and thrown into the fire. John isn't ambiguous about whether these people are Christians or not. Those that bear no fruit, he says, are not. Uh, he's not simply talking about folks who, uh, who might fall away, uh, who, who might struggle, um, those who might wrestle with uh, the reality of their faith, we all do that. We all uh, feel at times as if we have been cut off or as if we deserve to be cut off. That's not who John is talking about, those who simply struggle with the, the tra- traverses of faith. He's talking about those who have no part in Jesus. And they are cut off and eventually burn, verse 6 tells us. Now, we've thought about this perhaps in the context of the church if we've read this passage before, and we thought, what, is, what does that mean? Are we talking about excommunication? No, he's not talking about excommunication. He does talk about excommunication elsewhere, and I'm not suggesting that Jesus doesn't take that seriously or that church discipline is not important. It's just not this passage. This is not a church discipline passage. What, what he's teaching on shows us that, it, that he is talking about eternal and permanent judgment. Those who aren't fruitful are condemned. They have no part of God. Why? Because they are useless to Him. Again, we find that is a familiar, that would be a familiar idea to the Israelites from the book of Ezekiel in chapter 15. Here we hear, hear these verses. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, how is the wood of a vine better than that, that of a branch on any of the trees in the forest? Is wood ever taken from it to make anything useful? Do they make pegs from it to hang things on? And after it is thrown on the fire as fuel and fire burns, both ends and chars the middle, is is it then useful for anything? If it was not useful for anything when it was whole, how much less can it be made into something useful when the fire has burned it and it is charred? Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, As I have given the wood of the vine among the trees to the, of, of the forest as fuel for the fire, so will I treat the people living in Jerusalem. I will set my face against them. Although they have come out of the fire, the fire will yet consume them. And when I set my face against them, you will know that I am the Lord. I will make the land desolate because they have been unfaithful, declares the Sovereign Lord. Here the people of Israel are being rebuked by Isaiah, by Ezekiel, where their unfaithfulness, their departure from God, their having no part of Him had distinguished them, and these are, these are branches that would be cut off. So this was not a new part of their history. It was, it was a, an echo when Jesus would say, those vines, those branches that bear no fruit will be cut off and cast into the fire. 
Now, who's Jesus pointing to here? Well, specifically, he's talking about Judas, right? One who bears no fruit. But also, all of those who have based their spiritual confidence in some claim of something other than abiding in him. Perhaps some claim of heritage, some claim of lineage, some claim of practice or tradition. These were Jewish people who could trace their family tree, or their family vine, if you will, all the way back to Abraham. They were confident that they were God's chosen people. Why? Because they knew what family they were part of. They were part of Abraham's family. Literally. And that was their confidence. And Jesus is saying to them, it is not because of your lineage, it's not because of your traditions, it is not because of your heritage. It would be because I abide in you and you abide in me. And that is the only reason why you would be spared from the fire. Now, a lot of us now are feeling a little bit relieved. We're thinking, for a minute I thought this might be talking about me. Can we be sure that he's not? We can be sure that he's not. But are you sure that he's not? Because we do the same thing, don't we? We attach our spiritual confidence to facts about what we have done or what we have practiced. We're good churchgoers, right? Hey, I've been going to church all my life. I wouldn't dream of missing church, especially not on Easter week, right? We're the, we're the ones who showed up for the Monday Thursday service after all, for goodness sake. Aren't we doing exactly the same thing that Jesus is condemning here? If that is what we put our hope in, if that is the reason why we believe that we will be spared from the fire, if we are looking at something, some practice, some evidence that we have brought forth, is this a work of us? No. We know otherwise because Jesus says that there are fruitful branches and these are the ones that abide in Him. And these display themselves because they bear fruit. Now, bearing fruit in Scriptures takes several different forms. We, we might think of Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Uh, we might think of the fruit of the harvest, souls brought into Christ, right? Because He said that there's a field white unto harvest. But Jesus here is speaking even more simply than those things. He tells us plainly what it means to bear fruit. In verse 4, you can only bear fruit if you remain in me. Verse 5, if a man remains in me, then he will bear much fruit. And so for starters, bearing fruit looks like this. You remain in him. Or as the older translations would say, you abide in him. Now, The only way for a vine branch to bear fruit is if the sap of the vine flows freely through the branch. Uh, If if the sap doesn't flow freely, there will be no fruit. We planted a vine at our house back in Tennessee. We planted a grapevine. You might might be interested to know that uh, grapevines take years before they really bear fruit. Uh, It takes two years usually before you see the first grapes. And that's just a few very slim grapes. And then beyond that, it might be a third or fourth or even a sixth year before it bears the fullness of what it will eventually bear. And so we might learn from that, one, that it's not always easy early on to tell which vines will bear fruit, which ones need to be pruned. But one thing that we also learned was that When those vines got twisted in just the wrong way, 
They, they might get caught around the, the wire that we had used to, to bind them to the trestle. Then that sap would be cut off. And they would bear no fruit because they would begin to wither. And we had no choice but to prune them. If the sap doesn't flow through, freely through the vines, then the branches will bear no fruit. And any good vine dresser will prune these branches and throw them away. So ask yourself, is the gospel of Jesus Christ the very lifeblood that flows through you? Do you find that the only way that you might abide at all is to abide in Him? Because abiding in Him eventually means bringing glory to the Father. The goal for it all is that. Do you see that in these verses? Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory. What is? What is to His Father's glory? That we bear much fruit. That we show ourselves to be His disciples. That the new command that He gave us is the mark of our faith. And that's what makes it so hard, isn't it? That this is for His glory and not for ours. If, we were, if it were for our glory, then we might be motivated a bit more to work toward that fruit, to work at loving one another. But in fact, that's actually almost the point. If our glory isn't ever in view, then we're always dependent on His glory for us to share in. In fact, if we look closely, we see that that part of the goal is not that we get glory, but that we get humility. Do bear fruit. But those branches that do bear fruit um, are, are pruned. We're cut back. If we're, even if we're fruit-bearing types of branches, we're pruned. Now, what does it mean to be pruned? Well, that part that's sticking out from the rest is lopped off, right? And in terms of abiding in Christ, then this means that any part of our lives, any part of my life that is not given over to Him and that is sticking out on its own, it's not dependent on Him. That should be pruned. Now, that hurts, doesn't it? When I was in college, uh, a, fr- a friend of mine not very long ago, maybe, well, maybe it's starting to be a little bit longer ago now. <laughs> Maybe 10 years ago, my fr- a friend of mine said, what happened to the guy that, that I knew back in college? It was so easy to get along with, with everybody. I was a sweeter guy in college. And you know what? God pruned me there. You know why? Because I, I had the sense of, you know, there are lots of parts of my life, God, that I need working on, but, that, but the kindness part, the gentle with others part, the easy to get along with part, I got that. Got that under control. I'm sticking that out. Here's God. This is one thing that I've already got under, under control. And it got pruned. And I don't, it's not that I think that I'm a hard guy to get along with now, but I think that the reason why is not because I've got it. It's because he's got it. Whatever capacity I have now to relate to people, uh, is, is his glory and not mine because he pruned me. Now, that's, that's one example. There may be, for as many of us in this room, there may be as many examples. But where is the fruit? God is at the work of pruning us to be of greater glory to the Father and of lesser glory than ourselves. There's an echo of John the Baptist's confession 
You know the, the, the uh, confession of faith of John the Baptist? There, it's two parts. First is, I'm not the Christ. And the second is, he must increase and I must decrease. That's what we are always to be confessing. I'm not the Christ, and so I can't put my confidence in myself. And he must increase and I must decrease. And if that means pruning, even a hurtful pruning, well, if we are, if we are abiding in him, we want that. Where is the fruit? Maybe now you're starting to get revved up a little bit. Either a little panic or a little excitement. Either you're thinking, I've got to start bearing fruit, or I do see the fruit in my life. Or maybe you're remembering just how hard you've worked at such fruit bearing in the past. You've done the super spiritual thing. Maybe you've burned out on that. You've tried to follow all the rules bit until it finally wore you out. You've searched and you've read and you've imposed the pious living on yourself and none of it has answered. Let me point you to Jesus. Because he is the one who has done all of it perfectly and he is the one who did get it right and he is the one who is inviting you Abide in me. And I in you. He wants part of you. He wants to be part of you. He wants his part of you to be all that you have. He doesn't just tell us in this passage that the key is to try harder and then we'll begin to bear more fruit. He says that the way to bear more fruit It's to simply abide in Him. He is the perfect life-giving God. He has accomplished everything that we need. Have you looked on that, Jesus? Have you abided in Him? I invite you to tonight, anew or for the first time. Would you pray with me that we would all learn to abide in Him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask for that very mercy which you invite us to depend on you with, that we would abide in you. And we ask, Lord, that you would bear much fruit through us because we know that we are not fruit bearers on our own. That left to ourselves, we deserve at least to be pruned. Prune us. But prune us unto fruitfulness. Don't prune us unto death, unto condemnation. Remind us what it means to abide in you and you in us. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.